there. This is Dominic Keating. I played Malcolm Reed, particularly on Star Trek Enterprise. And you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another high-speed edition of Meal Before Pod, the podcast that is far from the fastest alive. I'm your host Craig and I'm here to bring you a discussion of the recently completed Flash Season 5. So joining me from the negative side of the Speed Force, which is apparently a thing now, it's Chris. Hello. Welcome on to our annual kick-in of the Flash. (laughs) (laughs) And I am the one from the negative side of the Speed Force. (laughs) I'm from the realistic side of the Speed Force. (laughs) There's we're the, very so we're pretty much the same, you and I. There's the positive speed force, the negative speed force, then there's the realistic speed force. Soon to be introduced in season six. That's not a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> okay, but before we uh, beat a dead horse, flog a dead horse, whatever it is, uh, let's go on to our kneel before rise against section. Go first, kneel before something. I am kneeling before the little teaser for Westworld season three. I thought you were going to uh, do that. Did you? Did you? Well, you know, you know that I watch Westworld, so I've I've got to I've got to go for it. Um, I, I, it was debatable. It was kind of on the edge as a kneel or a rise. This one because yeah. it doesn't really focus on any of the characters that we've come to know. It sort of portrays something completely different, and if that is the tone of the season, it might actually be interesting. Or really disappointing. However, I do like that this uh, trailer sort of teaser thing gives us an idea of the world outside of the park, which we haven't really seen up until now. Um, so it could be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I don't watch it, and I'm only peripherally aware the teaser exists. Um, and yeah, I don't know. So, but you think it looks potentially interesting? Was season two mm. good or was it bad? I mean, I don't know. I thought it was good. Um, I, I had some gripes about it. Um, there was sort of some tropes that they tried to redo, but because you're looking out for them, they're not as surprising. Um, you know, they try and pull the rug from under you, but you're already looking for the rug to be pulled, so it doesn't quite catch you in the same way. Yep. Um, however, it still had some really good moments. It still went in directions that I wasn't expecting. I'm, I'm still there to watch it in season three. That's that's good then. Uh, nice and quick one because I can't contribute. Never watched it. <laughs> so my kneel before is, have a guess, Star Trek Picard. We have a name <laughs> for the show now and it's the thing that people have been calling it since it was announced. So nobody's surprised. Star Trek Picard. Tells you what it's about, I suppose. Uh, there's been some leaked photos which have some cadets cutting about in uniforms that look vaguely cadet-like from the Next Generation era, which, you know, I'm on board with. And there's some leaked footage 
which is just, I don't know, like five seconds of um, some cadet asking Picard what his name is, and he, and he looks at him as, dis- as if to say, really? <laughs> so, based on this, we don't know that much, but I quite like the idea that it's been a period of time since Picard has kind of disappeared in, from the limelight and no one's heard of him anymore because, you know, these young'uns, they don't understand what what happened to get them into this paradise world they live in now because you would think the the guy that defeated the Borg and, or helped defeat the Borg and all this stuff would be like amazingly famous. You know, everybody would have heard of him because he's literally saved everything on multiple occasions. But it seems like give it enough time and you forget. So <laughs> I don't know what that says. You would think he would just be a massive name in history. You know what I mean? Even even like his, his exploits in different planets solving sort of peace treaties and all sorts of stuff that we saw in The Next Generation. You'd think even that would be slightly of note. Yeah, well, the next line is probably, next thing you're going to tell me, you've never heard of James T. Kirk and the guy that <laughs> who? <laughs> um, yeah, interested. I feel like I should stop talking about it before this becomes the Star Trek Picard two seconds of footage <laughs> podcast. It's like, how did they spend four hours talking about two seconds of footage? It's like, when it has Jean-Luc Picard, anything is possible. Yeah, <laughs> life finds a way. Yeah. So we'll come back to this periodically until it comes out. It's this year, though, so that's that's happening. It's going to be happening on Amazon Prime, which annoys me because I don't have it. Yeah, so, I was kind of looking forward to being able to rub it in people's noses that we can buy one subscription over here and we get all of it. However, they've yeah. decided to spread it out, damn them. Yeah, and uh, Patrick Stewart's announcement was hilarious. He was like, soon fans around the world, except from uh, US and Canada, <laughs> will be able to enjoy my new show on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Everyone else, you have to subscribe to CBS All Access, you know, that streaming service yeah. that you only have because Discovery's on it. <laughs> 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 it was uh, it was kind of like the someone did a, a chart of the Google searches for cancelling HBO subscription <laughs> uh, after the Game of Thrones finale. There's just this massive peak of people going, right, now how do I cancel this now that the show I watch is finished? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Is this leading us succinctly into your rise against, or is it something that you've been... No, 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 no. Okay, well, um, let's lead less succinctly to your rise again. <laughs> let's lead less succinctly. Uh, less succinctly, I'm going on about... Uh, you, you know that I every once in a while on these rise agains, I go against a, a Disney are deciding to remake or add on to a thing yeah. that they've done in their backstory. And I was reading this week that they're going to do uh, potentially a backstory for Coella DeVille, <laughs> which... I don't think is at all necessary. <laughs> now, they're looking at getting Emma Thompson to do it, which kind of sounds fun. However, <laughs> I just don't get it. It seems completely unnecessary and therefore rise then? against. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why not? I I don't see why. Yeah. Does, does, does she really need that much of a backstory? Um, no. I don't know. Maybe you'll find out why she's the most evil dog-wearing person on the world, <laughs> on the planet. Who knows? Uh, I'm not necessarily against this idea, mostly because I really enjoyed Maleficent. Mm. Uh, well, that's ago. true, I suppose. Uh, there's a sequel to that coming out soon, but um, I liked Maleficent, and it depends what they do with it, because the Maleficent story wasn't just a prequel to... What film is it she's in? Is it Sleeping Beauty? 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't just a prequel to that. It was the story of Maleficent, and it kind of veers off in a different direction. So she's kind of more of a damaged rape victim than a, you know, mm. a, a, a woman that turns into a dragon because some blonde girl... I don't even know why she doesn't like Sleeping Beauty in, in that film. It doesn't really matter, because um, I'm never going to watch it again, probably. But... <laughs> I don't know, is it, is it going to be, it starts off like she's this nice woman that owns a dog shelter and then eventually... I've got an idea, yeah. It's like, she'll be finer and dogs and everything and then she gets into the fashion industry and she's got to work her way up from the bottom getting coffees for like a horrible boss in the fashion industry and she works her way up but then suddenly ends up becoming like her. Ah, oh, I, I don't, I, I don't like understand. The, it's like the devil wears Dalmatians. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's not what it's called it should be should be <laughs> no it'll just be called cruella won't it that's what it'll be called yeah go go for the one name thing yeah oh well that that generated some discussion uh, i am going to rise against uh, michael pena and chloe grace moretz are going to be in a tom and jerry live action movie uh, presumably <laughs> tom and jerry will be cgi or played by a real cat and mouse. I think I'd rather the latter one. But uh, basically, <laughs> they're doing this again. They're doing Tom and Jerry again. And do we need this? Do we really need this? Uh, it's coming to us from Tim Story, who directed the the two actually okay uh, Fantastic Four movies. You know, mm-hmm. the ones with Chris Evans in them, before mm-hmm. he was Captain America, those ones. Uh, but it sounds rubbish. I mean, are these things ever going to be good? You know, it's... Yeah. It just seems unnecessary, isn't it? I mean, do they do they even do they even show Tom and Jerry anymore? Like classic Tom and Jerry. It must be on some crappy kids' cartoon channel. Like, because when I was growing up, I was watching it on Cartoon Network. Oh yeah, I mean, I loved I loved Tom and Jerry, and the cartoons are a lot of fun. However, I don't see how you turn it into a a movie. I I just yeah. Apart from the time that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> when they could talk and stuff, that was that was something, uh, and they could sing. It was a musical. Uh, of course, we're adapting Tom and Jerry for the big screen, so let's make it a musical. Yeah, I'm more I'm more thinking like the live actiony elements and stuff. Yeah. That I'm thinking, uh, how do you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun of like the you know the secret life of pets and what was the other one that was kind of similar-ish vein. You get things like uh, was it Over the Hedge or whatever it was called. You get these ones which is like, oh, they, you know, what the animals are saying behind your back, what they get up to when you're not away, all that sort of stuff. But it, it, does that just not mean it's been done, really? Apart from the fact that you're going to get this, I don't know, presumably some form of buddy comedy thing between Tom and Jerry, isn't it? Well, the thing which is Tom what Jerry, they did the last time. The Tom and Jerry cartoons are like, they're they're historic because of how brutal they are. Mm. You know, they this cat and mouse are going hammer and tongs at each other like consistently tom takes a lot of punishment i mean obviously it would kill a real cat but you know it's a cartoon so who cares and i think it was it was quite mature in that sense because you would see some like really <laughs> really brutal violence for for a kid's cartoon it'd be funny and it was really it was really well done and this sort of silent protagonists it was very much they tell stories using no dialogue apart from when tom's owner would show up occasionally <laughs> uh, and I think I think there was a movement against it because they decided it was suddenly racist 
uh, because of the woman's voice and stuff. And uh, it's, a, it's all a mess. But can we just not have this? I mean, can we just have Tom and Jerry be this like classic cartoon that you know we can just watch? In fact, yeah. just start putting Tom and Jerry cartoons in front of like other kids' cartoons, kids yeah, films. You know, or, or yeah, instead of trailers for going to the cinema when we're at the cinema, give us a Tom and Jerry short. There we go. That'll do. Though, though you've kind of got me sold on the uh, R-rated Tom and Jerry movie. <laughs> you know, like where you're saying, yeah, there's, you know, when you look at it, it's actually quite violent and everything. I'm like, oh, if they go down that angle. In the show you know, notes, I'll put maybe a YouTube supercut if I can find one of just the violence <laughs> in Tom and Jerry. Because it is, it, I mean, for, I'm guessing there there might not be a lot of people that have necessarily heard of it these days, you know, certainly maybe younger listeners if you exist. Uh, but yeah, have a look at this and be like, this is cartoons that I watched in the 90s. Like, seriously, <laughs> you, you don't know what you, you don't know what's happening now. Um, you just you haven't got a clue. That's, that's all I'm saying. So that's it. My Rise Against. That was quick. That was easy. That was something. So shall we move on to our um, designated topic? Let's. The Flash Season 5. I'm going to set off the spoiler klaxon just now. There it was. Uh, The reason I'm doing that is because we're trying something a bit different. Instead of just haphazardly chatting about it and seeing what we can remember, uh, we're going to recycle our Neil Before Rise Against format, but apply it to the show itself. So we have selected our top three Neils and Rises across the season, and we're going to hope that generates enough of a discussion to be worthwhile. We're going to come back at the end and we're going to do like speculations for next season. We'll maybe do a bit of chat about the final episode of the season in case we didn't really get to it. Uh, so we'll see how it goes it's a work in progress listener feedback is always welcomed again if you exist I mean if you're away watching Tom and Jerry I'll understand (laughs) we don't blame you yeah but here we go in fact I'm watching it minimised while we do this podcast (laughs) so it's totally fine Yeah, I'm just uh, watching my life fade away into nothingness (laughs) which which is actually connected to this topic of conversation yeah yeah, there we go. I'm good at segways sometimes. So, uh, as the non-host, would you like to go first with your first Neil Before? Neil Before. By the end of this season, I kind of liked the Dibney-Sherlock team-ups. Um, I think eventually they kind of built on like a mutual respect kind of thing, and I think it all kind of got wrapped up nicely in the final episode. Um, it was good to see Ralph around another sort of detective-like figure, figuring stuff out for himself, and and yeah, sort of, but not an equal because Sherlock was kind of a weird off the wall, uh, know-it-all character, but uh, proving his smarts in another way, which I've kind of come round to believing. I think it was you that tried to convince me of this and I wasn't having any of it, but by the end of it, I was like, ah, do you know what? Actually, he's done all right this season. Because um, Dibney is a character that really annoyed me in the last season and annoyed me less this season, um, but that element in particular I've quite liked through the, the strand that's been running through this time. Um, for one thing, it's Sherlock. Sherlock? Yeah, keep- Sherlocky. He kept, kept correcting people. Uh, I actually had this on my list, although I had it under Ralph improving, so <laughs> we get to discuss that. Uh, he did improve massively, although I think Andrew would 
maybe disagree because he liked him because he was different from the other members of Team Flash, and I kind of get that. But different means insufferable, which I didn't like. So this season, he's a bit more... He feels a bit more in tune with the team, I guess. He's less obnoxious and, um, as you say, a lot smarter. He works things out by himself. I really like that he sees angles that Sherlock doesn't. So as a team, they kind of bring different things to it. Because I was kind of worried that we had two detective characters kicking about. But they're both very distinct in the way they, they go about things. Um, and I really liked in the penultimate episode when Ralph was like, hang on, I'm thinking about the dagger thing here. I'm the <laughs> only one that, that sees this. Does no one else care like what, what's going on here? Why the dagger is so important? And then he brings out the whiteboard because, of course, you've got to bring out the whiteboard. The oh, transparent yeah. whiteboard. Um, he draws a couple of lines on it and then he's like, but if this is how time travel works, it's like, no, Ralph. That's how it works <laughs> this week. Yeah, this 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 week's time travel theory is the yeah. following. Uh, yeah, stop trying to resolve this using logic because you can't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the simple bit was that he sat there and went, hang on, Fonong only does stuff that, that suits himself. Why is, he, why is he wanting this? Why has he been helping at all? What's yeah. in it for him? And it was like, okay, so what if the dagger is related to how he got caught? And then that's it, you know. Yeah. It's like, finally, someone asking the important question. <laughs> so that was all good. And, yeah, just the way he conducted himself throughout the season. I mean, you had the odd episode where it was crap like, oh, look, here's my book on how to get over breakups. And here's my book on dealing with grief and, and all this stuff. And then you had that really crappy scene where he thought that Caitlin was coming on to him. And she was like, uh, no. And... I think there's always going to be bits and pieces like that in this show. Even at its best, it's going to delve into this crappy humour that you know that just relies on these sorts of things. But on the whole, much improved this season. Much improved, and I liked... Yeah, I actually would go on record saying I quite like him this season. There we go. Redemption. Redemption for Ralph. Yeah. Go, Ralph. <laughs> so I'm going to... Unless you have anything else to say on this? No, no, topic. no. No. So I'm going to flip the script a bit and I'm going to go with my first rise. I don't Ooh. know. We're going to do some kind of weird, whatever shape it is. I hope it's all right. balanced in the end. We add, we add one to one side of the scale and we're about to add something to the other. Indeed. It's funny how I'm going to rise first and I'm supposed to be the positive side of the speed force, or the realistic <laughs> side of the speed force. But never mind. So I'm going to rise against the cure stuff. Not the existence of it. I think the idea of a metahuman cure and the ethical implications of that are, is really interesting. What is not so interesting is the fact that they just never had that debate. So they start off with, it has to be a choice. People have to choose to take the cure because we're not going to force it on people. And then they were like, we're going to force this on Cicada. And they were like, okay, that's fine. We're not going to fight about this. And they just kept flip-flopping on whether they were going to ask him or not. And... And there were, at no point did anyone sit around and just think, let's have a debate about this, because I'm really interested to see Barry on a different side of the argument than Cisco and Caitlin. Mm. And it looked like it was heading that way, but then it didn't. And you just sat there week on week waiting for this argument to happen. It just never did. And it was really annoying. The only time they argue is over Barry's decision to banish Norrin in the future, which we'll probably get to later. But um, this was a real really difficult issue it's you know the the idea of are people entitled to their metahuman powers even if they're villains even if they use them for like evil you know in, in the same way that is a killer entitled to his legs i guess 
I don't know mm. if that's a bad analogy, but uh, that kind of thing. And you had this great moral debate here that you had a plethora of characters that could arrive at different positions on what they think on it, and they just didn't do it. And I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why. It's because the writers just want to rush on to the next thing and only only touch on little things here and there. But you never get like that level of complexity. Not anymore. It's just annoying. It does seem like the kind of thing that would have been given more of a debate on the likes of Supergirl, where they sort of take issues every once in a while and they will do a bit of a debate episode where there's people on different sides of the line and maybe in the grey areas as well. Yeah. The, the the cure thing I found really weird because it's sort of announced and the publicised more for them to stop uh, Cicada and get everyone into the, the police station before she releases the gas rather than ever being promoted as an option for people that maybe didn't want their powers or have been left uh, yeah, sort of damaged like, by their mutation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, there's there's going to be a gas that's going to kill all, uh, all metas, so you've got to come and take this. I mean, the other option, I suppose, is we put you onto a train that takes you out of the blast area. However, we were not going to do that. We're going to cure you uh, and take your powers off you. Or we'll so, put you on another Earth for a little while. Who knows? Like, yeah, we I have mean, options. we have lots of options. However, the option that you're being told is to come to this police station and get this jag. And that 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 kind of seemed like forcing people into taking it, which is exactly the thing that they said they weren't going to do at the beginning of the debate. And I know that it wasn't done in that way. It was to try and save them. But at the same time, I think that's kind of the moment where there should have been a bit of debate. Or even the cure should have been announced episodes ago with that debate raging and people going, I don't want to take it, I don't want to take it, you know, I am the way I am and I've, I love my abilities or whatever. Or people going, no, I really want to take it because, you know, I've got this horrible mutation or I'm too dangerous to be around or whatever. That debate would have been great. Then coming up to an episode where they go, no, listen, you've got to take this because otherwise there's a potential that you're going to die, you know. That I think could have been a really interesting thing to have in the background, and like you say, they just didn't. They they missed it. Yeah, there was a strong arc to be had there. Uh, they could have done five episodes or something, just you know, dealing with the the ramifications of the this cure existing. You know, what what are people going to do about it? Who wants to be cured? Who doesn't want to be cured? Uh, that kind of stuff. You know, what what is too dangerous a villain? You know, do you mm. give the cure to Thon, for example? Um, do you give the cure to, I don't know, any other villain that, um, well, like Zoom, uh, Savitar, you know, etc. I mean, well, presumably, you know, the thing is, like, the prisons are having to set up these meta wings for these dangerous meta criminals. Yeah. Now, surely the solution at that point is if you've if you've committed that crime. Here you go. You know, you've committed a serious enough crime using your abilities and you're too dangerous to control. Here you go. This is what you're getting. Yeah, but you then know. you don't chop people's hands off when they commit a crime either. No. So there's that. I mean, is I mean a meta human ability is in theory just an innate ability. Like it's just you have it. It's you don't have any control over having it. Uh, because it just happens to you. Uh so there's that kind of which is exactly debate. the debate we'd like yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Are you entitled to that ability, uh, or is that ability a disease that needs to be cured? You know, is that, is it the equivalent of that? 
I, w- I wouldn't go as far as it being a disease, but if it's something that is, uh, well, I mean, it's not dangerous and being used against people. Yeah. You know, you need it, it goes down the you need a license to carry a firearm. You don't yeah. need a license to be able to fire bullets from your meta human hands. Yeah. Um, and if you then use that against someone, yes, you would have your gun taken away. Um, but yeah, that's the debate bit, isn't it? That's the yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not intrinsically a, a disease as such, you know, and it's, I mean, you're starting to overlap in X-Men territory there yeah. as well. There are people entitled to their powers, but people have powers, so therefore they exist. And that's exactly what Supergirl's been doing with the, are aliens entitled to be around us, even though they're stronger yeah. and whatever else. But yeah, that's a that's a discussion for the Supergirl podcast, which will follow this one at some point. Oh, you uh, tease. Yeah, my, I am such a tease. So the Cure debate. They didn't have it. I think we've given it more thought than the writers did, which is unfortunate. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that. Um, and I realised with this whole leapfrogging thing that I was trying to do there, it means that you're back to Neil, so I'm going to flip it again, and you're going to do a rise. I'm going to do a rise. Yep. Uh, okay, so I suppose my one sort of follows on to yours then. Which is uh, I've I've marked it down as the Siskit, as in like Cisco exit, but it doesn't quite work as a thing. But anyway, <laughs> that's what I've put it down as anyway. So the bit I'd, I I didn't get at the end of this episode was is is Cisco now leaving? Is that it, or is he just taking the taking the cure so he can walk about as normal? Because what I don't understand is the fact that he is a really valuable member of the team both with and without his abilities to be honest but it seems like something really useful that you wouldn't just go ah do you know what i just don't want this anymore is like because you never have the option to have it back so why don't you have them and not use them it's not a gruesome deformity it's not going to inhibit him going about his life he could choose not to be on the team, not use his powers, and live in normality for the rest of his his thing. Now it, it's like he saved tons of people with his abilities. He had to use his abilities to save people in this. I know they've got the stupid discs that pretty much replace <laughs> him, but I still I still don't know the rules about using and not using those discs because that yeah. just seems that just seems like some writer went, yeah, we're going to have discs that kind of do what Cisco does now because it's really useful to get from location to location uh, without having to write, and then they get in a car and drive for an hour <laughs> to get there. Um, the only reason that I can think that they've done it is potentially because of the infinite earth uh, the the crisis storyline and that potentially they've done it so that it gets rid of an issue during that where they're going to go well why didn't cisco just dot 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 yeah which i think might be why they've done it but yeah it just seems a bit a bit rubbish to me if he if he is leaving it doesn't seem like he was given a good send-off uh if he isn't leaving it seems like a bad decision and I don't feel that they did the legwork to get there. Yeah, it, it hasn't been announced what's happening with them yet. I mean, they were setting up the whole Cisco might be leaving thing from fairly early on in the season. That's ultimately why he starts working on the cure because he's mm. sick of being... I don't know, he's sick of having superpowers? Like, what, what, why? Anyway, so he takes a cure at the end of the season so he can live this normal life, which is 
well, as long as you're a member of Team Flash, you won't be living a normal life. Because you'll still mm. be like making tech and fixing his suit and all that kind of stuff. But uh, maybe it is to try and cut down on the number of superpowered characters that are in the show and restore Cisco a bit more to what he was in season one in terms of his function within the show. But he could still be that within the show with his powers. And, you know, you have to think about the fringe benefits of these powers. I mean, you never have to pay for holidays ever again. <laughs> you just, you know, I'll zap myself to where do I want to go this weekend? Here. You don't even have to stay. Just zap yourself back. I mean, you can do that with the, the little pointy thing. You know, the... The uh, the little doofer thing. Yeah. The little portal I mean, machine. Yeah. I don't understand how they work, because you never key in, like, coordinates. You just press a button and it takes you where you want to go. Like, at what point do they decide... Do they tell it where to take them? <laughs> That's true. You never you never see them programming the thing, do you? Yeah. I, I mean, mean they invented it, it so Kara could move Earths with no problems whatsoever, but... Um, but but then that was like pre that would be like predetermined destinations on either side. That yeah, I mean I I understand that. It's like if you press that button, it'll take you to our Earth. Yeah, yeah fine. Or it'll take you to Star Labs on our Earth. Easy. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean the I think the Cisco plot was handled really badly in that sense because he was getting this. He wasn't. He was being built up as this sort of as someone that wasn't happy with his life, and then he meets. I can't remember her name. This chick. He meets this girl uh, in a bar. Uh, and She's a bartender. I, yeah, This is how unimportant she is, because I can't remember her name at all. I can't um, remember her name. I remember that she was a bartender that does photography. That's it. Yeah, she's a photographer, <laughs> because of course she is. <laughs> Everyone's an artist or whatever. You know, No one just does a job. Like yeah, I work in I work a nine to five job in some office and I hate it. You know <laughs> why does nobody like that in these shows? Uh, so he meets her and then you have episodes where she doesn't appear, but he talks about her, and you you have the time loop episode where he keeps messing up his first date because he keeps trying to appear cool or whatever, and it's I mean it's kind of stupid, uh, but eventually they get to the point where they make themselves social media official. And again, you haven't seen them get to this point. And by the end of the season, you have you just don't see the relationship play out at all. It's, it's just kind of talked about here and there. And then he confesses that he's vibed to her, and she's like, oh, "That's fine, that's cool. I get it. You're like, you know, you shouldn't have to share this with me right away. I understand why you would keep this a secret. So it's not even like he has to keep that from her, or he has to be normal in order to be with her because he doesn't." And especially if he is going to stick around at Star Labs for a while, at least, then who knows? Um, he, everybody's still in as much da- danger as they were before, so what's the difference? It's it's not well thought out, and I think it's a bit of a betrayal of the character. So if he does leave, as you say, it's a bad it's a bad decision. It's not going to be it's not going to be good. If 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 he leaves, it's been you know my thing is if he leaves, it's been a rubbish send off that he's been given in that final episode because he didn't really have a conversation with Barry or anyone like that. He's just taken the cure and run off, in yeah. in a sense. Uh, if that isn't his send off, then it just seems like a rubbish decision because, like you say, if he's still going to be part of the team, he's still going to be in danger. Just yeah. now, he's not going to be able to get himself out of trouble. So it just adds a, a damsel in distress for the yeah. rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't even know what they were going for here. Yeah, yeah. as well, because sometimes you can see I see what they were getting at, but then they they didn't manage to do it very well. 
when they started going down the um, getting the girlfriend to be a photographer and being a photographer for Iris, I thought they were going to start going down the line of she's going to be turning up at at different fights and almost getting into bother, and he's going to yeah. have to save her a couple of times or something yeah. and realize that you know something needs to be done. But that's they didn't thing. even Working push along Iris that line. Iris is a photographer. That's like signing your own death warrant. I mean, <laughs> Oh, why don't you follow me into this crime scene? Why don't you follow me into this like this den of supervillains just to take a few pictures so I can write a stupid story about it? And she's like, "Yeah, sure." That's yeah. She's routinely putting herself in danger. Yeah, thank you for giving me my job. <laughs> yeah, I don't get paid enough for this. So I guess watch this space. I'm sure there will be announcements forthcoming about um, what will be happening with Cisco and. Uh, what his lack of powers will mean next season, um, whether his lack of powers will stick, who knows? Um, but you had this thing about Thon. Uh, it seems like what Thon said was that the deciding factor for him, because he talked about his powers being extraordinary, and Cisco didn't want to be remembered for his powers. But it was kind of weak in that sense. But um, I like the idea that Thon can just say the right thing and just throw someone off their game so completely, and. I think they're getting at that. They they want them to get under people's skin, but they don't always write it that well. I mean, sometimes they do it really well, but other times they don't. I'd, I'd even understand if the whole line was that he could do greater things if he wasn't working in secret. Yeah. You know, like he's invented this cure, he's a bright guy, he's made all this tech, all these machines that no one will know about for years and years and years to come all yeah. sort of in the shadows and out of the way where no one's going to give him the credit for what he's done. He's not going to achieve a bit a bit along the lines of what they did with Curtis in Arrow, for example. Yeah. Where there's kind of a decision made that, oh, I want I want to do something uh, important and measurable that that people are going to know about. And they didn't do that. So there's, there's lots of angles they could take in it. I just don't quite get the angle that they did. No. Fair play. So, anything else on that one? No, I think that's it. Yep, I've kicked it in enough as well. So I'm going to flip around, give myself a kneel. So, before I get to kind of one of the more heavy ones, uh, I'm going to go for King Shark versus Gorilla Grodd. Uh Uh-huh. That was so much fun. It was a visual feast. I mean, you had to wait the entire episode for it to happen. But I quite liked the... Um, I forget the guy's name now, but the the doctor who was King Shark, how they cured him. They tested the cure on him. They didn't ask him. Uh, Hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they tested the cure on him. And then Grodd showed up, because of course he does. And then they fight. But I like the the dynamic between um, that doctor and his wife. I thought that was really well done. Uh, Kind of a bit of a tragic monster, you know, Beauty and the Beast type story. Quite, it was quite a nice touch. It kept us in. It kept me entertained anyway until, until the title fight, as I referred to it in my review, existed, and the title fight was impressive. I mean, I've always been impressed by the, the capabilities of the visual effects artists when they have, you know, a tiny portion of the resources you would have in a film, in a flash film. So, the fact that it managed to make King Shark and Gorilla Grodd appear on screen at the same time and look that good is amazing. And the fight was really creative as well. No, it was. Do you know what? It's one of those things, I forgot that was part of this season because it kind of it kind of stood apart a little bit for me, that, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, like you say, 
considering that it's been done on the the kind of budget it was, it actually looked pretty good. They did a really good fight. Um, yeah, it was sort of a, a payoff that I think we had been hoping for. So, yeah, glad yeah. they did it. And Nora teases it earlier in the um, in the run of the show as well. She says, you know, she talks about them fighting and, and whatever else. When she's talking about all her future stuff that she's looking forward to. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's all going to happen in the next few months. That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, anything else to say on King Shark versus Gorilla Grodd? I didn't know. I expect that to last not as long as it did. No, I, sorry. I, I mean, I, I, you've kind of hit the nail on the head with it. I can't really add <laughs> to it apart from, yeah, I really enjoyed seeing it. Definitely uh, one of the stronger episodes of the season. Yes. For sure. And not just for the pure spectacle. I think they had a really meaningful character story in there that the... Um, you know that that stands apart because it is well it's self-contained and well thought out, and um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with King Shark after this because he'll come back, of course. I mean, they've pretty much it's the pretty much said that that Grodd is like beyond redemption now. That's it. Like he's definitely beyond redemption. He is a bad guy, and whatever it is he does next will be evil, um, which is fine. Uh, but King Shark is a bit of a question mark because he is. He retains some of his humanity and, you know, so when he shows up again, will he be an ally? Who knows? Yeah, you would hope so. <laughs> yeah. I would take one on the fight. Yeah. Neither would I. I'd stand by and watch with popcorn. Uh, far away with popcorn, though. Uh, just not peanuts, because Grodd would take them. I don't <laughs> like peanuts, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Getting Grodd distracted by peanuts. I like yep. that. That'll happen next season. Mark my words. Okay, so let's flip back to another rise from yourself. Okay, I'll do a rise. Um, this one, I, I, I sort of... It's an on-the-fence, and I could argue either way on it. However, I'm kind of going for a Neil on this which is uh, seeing Barry and Iris struggle to be parents through this season. I think they've done... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm saying. It is a rise, kind of, because I think they've done some elements of it quite well. Um, I I think that they've done what they have with it, and I think in the end... They learned a lesson. They did all right. I think there's some elements that they didn't do too great, but I'm going to go for it as a Neil anyway, <laughs> uh, and settle for it on that. It's Nora's been a, a whole thing of debate for me through this season. <laughs> I've had a complete love hate thing going on with it. However, I do think that they did some interesting stuff with it. The the sort of unexpected parenthood element other bits kind of have peed me off I'm sure we'll get there later <laughs> um, but yeah I'm, I'm going to kneel before that you were supposed to rise but never mind what is oh sorry was I supposed to rise sorry yeah. did I did I, find, I thought we were doing two sorry okay no no it's fine we'll, um, we'll roll with the punches uh, yeah um, that covers actually a couple of things that I had noted that um, that we'll get to talk about in one one fell swoop. So I liked Nora. I think Jessica Parker Kennedy has great energy. 
She, mm. she brought great energy to the show. She was always very watchable. Funniest thing is, she's older than uh, Grant Gustin and Candace Patton, so she's like older than her parent on screen parents, which of course she can be because um, uh, because she's from the future. Uh, but she's also playing younger, uh, and she seems young. You know, she acts young. She looks young. Um, and it's that kind of youthful exuberance that she always seems to have. I mean, towards the end, she's a bit, I don't know, insanely. She's When she tries to act crazed, it just seems a bit tantrum-y. <laughs> you know, that's it's true, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you break down the story and its core component, it is Barry and Iris suddenly realise they're parents to a child that has that's grown up and they have to deal with it. Obviously there's the sci-fi element of this is our kid from the future that hasn't been born yet and we're interacting with her and we have to get to know her. But um, it's the best approach they've taken to teaching a new speedster because they screwed that mm. up with Wally badly. Uh, Nora learned a lesson in each episode and retained that lesson until the next episode, which is great because how often have we talked about people not remembering anything in this show? Uh, they they hear various things and just forget them. Let's stop keeping secrets from one another. Next week, someone keeps a secret, and so on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nora is, repeat until close. Yeah. yeah, Nora's keeping a secret for the whole season, which is a bit tedious. But um, but even then, they do parts of that fairly well. You know the way Barry reacts to it because he's. He's enraged by the the prospect of Thorn coming back into his life, and you know he can't. He, it's just a red mist whenever that name is mentioned, uh, which puts to bed any thought about I'm over this. As he said in previous seasons, he's clearly not over it. He just can't get over it at all. Um, but yeah, the parental stuff. I liked it. Uh, I liked the fact that she resented Iris for a bit because of because Iris was funnily enough acting like Iris does. Really selfish and entitled uh, stuff that I've criticised her for, but I also like that this is the catalyst for her becoming better than that. So she sort of gets that uncomfortable look at herself, and then changes. And you see her actually get better throughout the season. She becomes more compassionate, more selfless, more, you know, more open to listening to other people, which is not something she's ever been accused of in the past. You know, it's always me, 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 me. Well, yeah, but what about me in this situation? And now she's just. Uh, she's starting to get there, which I like. Uh, and it's all because of Nora, because Nora points out that to her. And you have this, you get that brief look at her in the future where she's very mm. dismissive and stuff. And so, yeah, they've changed the future so Nora's upbringing won't be like that because Iris now realises that she's like that and shouldn't be like mm. that. Yeah. I mean, Nora gets erased anyway and Crisis is brought forward by about five years. So doesn't matter. So anyway, Flash, I've done it matter. again. Yeah. <laughs> Barry, you've changed. You've changed Nicole's daughter into a son, and now you've got rid of your own child as well. Well done. Yeah. And oh yeah, and you've accelerated like a universe-ending event. So nice work, guys. Yeah, you Cheers. brought the end of the world closer. Yeah. Congrats, Barry. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of like what they did with Nora. The time loop episode was a bit rubbish because I think after the first failed attempt, she should have been like, right, I'm going to tell someone now. Round it bloody 52 times, of which we see like 20 of them or something. Yeah, I mean, that 
that didn't seem right to me because it did seem like she would have gone to someone for help after like the second time of going oh hang on this keeps repeating yeah she would have been like oh right me let me go over because i think we only see a number of times how i, I don't know i didn't never noted it down how it, how many times she said she went around <laughs> yeah yeah which is the number they always use ah yeah. okay channel 52 etc 52 earths at one point i mean there's more than that now um and so on but and as I said, she she throws tantrums, and then uh, her connection to Thon. I mean, I imagine Thon is going to be one of her new before, so we can talk more about that as a Thon thing rather than a Nora mm. thing. But I liked the dynamic she had with um, with her parents. She didn't have much of a dynamic with anyone else though, which I saw as a bit of a missed opportunity. I would have liked That's to see true. her have like girl talk with Caitlin, or maybe girl talk with Cisco. Why not? Uh, she spent more time with Cecile. Yeah, I was going to say that Cecile was probably the one that I saw her maybe chatting to yeah. more on a casual basis because Cecile's normally one of those characters, a bit like Joe, that's sitting around somewhere for a chat <laughs> during yeah. an episode, you know. Yeah, and she didn't spend much time with Joe, which was a shame. I wanted to see a bit more of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there was missing stuff there, I suppose. But, but she was good. I think she was a good injection of of energy into the show that it desperately needed. Otherwise, I mean, what you had was the same people standing around Star Labs having the same conversations. At least Nora changes that up a little bit. I get what you're saying about the same characters and the same conversations, but sometimes that would bring those characters on. I I kind of feel that every season having the the new person to induct uh, a new Wells, a Wells a season, and uh, another person getting added to the team per season is a bit much sometimes, but... I suppose, like you say, sometimes it does keep it fresh. Yeah. And and I think Nora has actually helped with that in the end. Yeah. Um, I, I've had a lot with the characters this season where I've kind of been, I've went off them and then in the end I've sort of come round to, to thinking, do you know what, they were a good addition and I think Nora was for this season. I, as much as uh, there's bits of it I don't like, uh, I think the decision to sort of drop her after this season, or presumably, potentially, however this works, yeah. um, I think is probably a good one. Yeah, although having her erased at the end of the season probably means that Team Flash are feeling pretty morbid at the beginning of next season. Mm. So, yeah. A lot of mopey. Yeah, just having them sitting around, like, crying and stuff. Not this again. Um, so much for lightening the tone. Writers. Mm. Uh, no, but I thought her her erasure was done really well actually oh yeah yeah i mean it was very after um the of the other years um i think it was very good yeah yeah because i think they, they let the moment sit they let it fester they let it be felt and then her farewell video was really nice as well uh, just the you know the way that she talked about how uh, her parents had made her a better person, made her a better hero, and all that kind of stuff. And now, um, she sort of can't exist uh, because of obviously the Brook Crisis forward and and all that stuff. Uh, and the the fact that Thon was just setting up for her erasure all that time was was brutal as well. And again, I mean, one of us is going to kneel before Thon, so it's going to happen. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> spoiler for later in the podcast. <laughs> Uh, but it's going to happen. It's, it's it's fine. We'll talk about him, and even if we don't, we will take time and talk about him because it's it's important. Um, 
So the, but basically the fact that it was all leading to that, as far as Thon was concerned, is just is brutal in itself because, you know, Nora's gullible, isn't she? I mean, she, she's far too trusting. She's latched on to Thon as a father figure because she didn't have one and she didn't think she could go to her mother. God knows where bloody Cisco and so on are in this future. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah. Like, where are the rest of them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to Uncle Cisco for advice, or I went to Ralph for advice, or I went to, I don't know. Is Joe, well, Joe could be dead, I suppose. It is, what, 50, 40 years? Something like that? So he's probably dead. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, well, he's in his 50s now, right? He's not, like, 90 years old. Maybe he is. Um, I was going to say goes to Uncle Oliver for advice, but, uh, yeah, that's a that's a... Yeah, that's a note on that one. That's a note on that. Go and visit a cabin in the woods and say hi to... Uh, yeah, go, go say hi to Felicity. Um, they could have the Arrowverse Kids show now that we think about it. You know, a bit of Nora, a bit of uh, Ben. Not Ben. What's his name? William. A bit of William. Mm. The actor's name is Ben. A uh, bit of William, a bit of Mia. Get, you know, do a team of those guys. Uh, that'd be fun. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, what we on about? Nora plus parenthood. Yeah, it was done pretty well. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the Barry and Irish relationship is something that I've never really invested in before. But the fact that you see them kind of on opposite sides of a certain issue, uh, and it, they started to feel more like a bit of a real couple this season because they had they had real problems that weren't just. I'm leaving you, or stop lying to me. You know, they had these kind of mm. little persistent problems that just crop up. It's like you told her daughter to do this, and I don't agree with that. You know that kind of stuff. It's yeah. It's they're not joined up all the time, and I, that's what you need to see to make a relationship work. And I think that's what they failed with in the past because they they write them as this idyllic, you know, romantic couple, and that's boring. Um, but they felt a bit more human this season, so I'll give them that. At least in places. No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I think I think that it worked a bit better that way. Like you say, being having having real issues and it not all being secret identities and uh, running off to save people when you ought to be at home, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know what what would happen to me if you disappeared off? Uh, it gave more of a uh, more flavour to it, a bit yeah. of a change. Right. So you. You'd, you'd ignored my instructions. Sorry, sorry, I, I I must have blanked out and went, yeah. for, went for one of my kneels instead of a rise. Apologies so for like... I, w- I will pick a rise. Uh, let's see. Staying on the Nora subject, I guess. Okay. So her anger issues that she had, you know, when she tapped into the negative speed force in order to hide so that she could come back into the, the present day. Uh, and and continue her quest to bring down Cicada. So that was fine. I feel abandoned by my father, so I am really upset, and I'm going to lash out by tapping into this really dangerous power. Great. I'm on board with that. That's a very real, again, stroppy-ish reaction to something, but you can see why it would affect her in that way. And then, two episodes later... Or one episode later, whatever it was, it was like, oh, that wasn't my anger. That was because of my mind trip with Grace. Like, <laughs> what? So people can't just be angry anymore. I mean, good people, good guys can't be angry anymore. It has to be some villain influence. And that's. I didn't dislike the sort of 
her going into Grace's head and chatting with her and, and then find out that Grace isn't that nice a person because she's very bitter because of all that she's lost and all that kind of stuff. That was that was interesting stuff. But the fact is, oh, that rage is not mine. That comes from her. It's just nonsense. Utter nonsense. Uh, and it kind of made me lose investment in that. I was just like, all right, so all Nora has to do is sever this psychic connection, then she'll never be angry again, because apparently she's incapable of anger. But, uh, but also the bit, the bit I understand is I understand how that would work for Fawn. Right, so Fawn is a negative speed force, and that's how Fawn works. Fine, okay, Fawn's angry and peeved all the time, constantly tapping into this negative energy. How does this explain all the other speedsters who are who have their abilities not from the negative speed force? Do they have to just force a smile uh, every <laughs> time? They, every time they take it on, you know, next time we get to see. Uh, Zub or whatever, he's going to have to have a massive teeting sh- grin <laughs> so that he can use his powers. Is that how it works? <laughs> well, so that part I was okay with. I get the impression that you have to, like, well, I mean, you, there'd have to be, I suppose, some kind of catalyst that gives you the ability to tap into the speed force. And then, yeah, it's the, it's the standard physics of every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So, you know, there is a speed force, so therefore there is an anti speed force kind of thing. You know this opposite of it, mm-hmm. this reverse speed. Force. Oh yeah, yeah, that that um, f- I'm for. Yeah. but I get the impression in order to tap into it, you have to be in a really dark place. You know, so it's not. So we've seen Barry upset before, we've seen him angry before, but there was never any risk of his lightning turn red because he's not that guy. You know, and it would take a lot for him to to be that guy, even when you saw him with a stupid emo haircut in the future. <laughs> uh, his, his lightning was still yellow because. I guess because he doesn't really have the ability to go that dark. He just would never get that dark. But for some reason, well, Nora does because she's cajoled into it. And um, and apparently the evilness of Grace is enough to like push her over the edge as well. But I get, I get that, that Thorn could cajole her into it just by being like, yeah, I want you to really think about everything that's bad that's happened to you. You know, think about the fact that your mother hated you. Or uh, yeah, think about the fact that your mother, like, lied to you as you were growing up think about what Barry just did to you think about think about all these terrible things that have happened to you think about the death of your friend all that stuff you know like drown yourself in that ignore everything that's positive in your life and then suddenly you're you know you're all red-eyed and and blurry-faced and that's you you're part of that negative speed force now um I think it would have been more interesting if it wasn't a simple light switch for her to get away from that. Um, and she's kind of flipped. So I, I would have liked if... Um, I mean, it happens too late in the season. But I would have liked it if there was a an element of difficulty there. I mean, you did have that difficulty where she was tapping into it because whenever she was near Grace, their their neural link would, would kick in. But I quite like the idea of, yeah, she needs to watch herself because if she gets too angry, her lightning will change colour. Mm. Uh, because once you've tapped into that you can't untap into it you know it's it's part of you and that's a kind of dark part of her that she needs to control and that and that would have nicely fed into the the conversation that she has with Barry and Iris would be like I know you see me as your kid but I am an adult I want to put myself in danger and I like that conversation because Barry and Iris were very much um, well were very much wrong in that scene because they were treating her like a child mm. and then and 
and then they eventually came around to the idea of, oh no, we've been teaching you how to be a hero, so we can't actually stop you from doing that. <laughs> that that's you know that's counterintuitive. I mean, it's it's very much a parental thing. You know, we want to keep you safe, we want to keep you out of danger, but we forget that you're entitled to make your own decisions. And if we support you in that, there's less chance of you getting killed because you're just going to do it anyway because you don't agree with us. I kind of like the idea of it being once the seal's broken, then it's much easier to slip into it and much more dangerous. I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, but unfortunately they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a taste of that kind of when they were trying to stop her from being erased. And then she said, if I do this, I'll never, um, I'll never be able to shake it. So I want to, I'd rather die as myself than not myself. Mm-hmm. And But you haven't done enough groundwork on that one. So... It doesn't really work, uh, so that's that's really it for that rise against uh, her anger just not coming from her side of it. And I don't know, I don't know if you see it differently. I don't know if you think that 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 connection was good and it made sense for it to be her main negative catalyst. I think it was the best they could do with what they had at the time. Is the negative catalyst really? I think the the time constraint... I mean, because part of me was like, well, hang on, she could spend as much time as she liked slowly. You could show her just slowly fizzing over months wanting to go back and and prove that she was, you know, wrongly cast out and the frustration and the rage building up until finally she can break through. But then I remembered the fact that there was the, the ticking clock uh, in the future timeline, so it wasn't... So she didn't really have the ability to do that. So I suppose they did it as best as they could with what they had written themselves into. Yeah, and her B-list villain team-up thing was a bit rubbish as well. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Oh. <laughs> Although the thing is, I quite liked Weather Witch, actually. I think they were they were starting to do some interesting stuff with her, and then it turns out, oh, yeah, I'm just bad anyway. It's fine. But I think... The, yeah, it the turns Congress, out we're all actually villains, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, the, uh, well, for one thing, I think the actor, uh, Renette Hardesty, Hardesky something like that, Hardesties, whatever her name is. She was um, she was really good. She was playing better than the script gave her... No, yeah, yeah, acting beyond yeah. the words kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and she was doing really well, and I think the, the writers failed to see the potential they'd written for her and ignored it. Because there was the idea, of, there was the option for her to, to be, I don't know, she could have been like Nora's recurring antagonist, I suppose, or, you know, a bit of an anti-hero in herself, and... Mm. Um, they kind of bonded over their difficult father-daughter relationship at that point. And, and then it was like, oh no, I was just saying that to get you on stage. I'll betray you later. So, oh well. Great. Yeah, I, I still didn't quite understand Nora's plan in that particular episode either. Steal hey. a thing because Thon said St- to steal, st- steal, steal, steal the gun because Thon said to steal the gun. And I was like, but if you'd went to Barry and said, Barry, what does steal this gun? I know you've cast me out, but you're me out of my plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, or yeah. go to someone else that's not Barry and go. Listen, I know I'm not supposed to be back here, but here's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go to Uncle Oliver. Yeah, <laughs> go to, to go to anyone. Go to yeah. any of them. I think any of them would have been more receptive than Barry. So you know, go see Wally. Go see yeah. Uncle Wally. Yeah, who knows? Uh, and his retreat or wherever he is now. <laughs> oh no, he's in like Thailand or something. That's where Joe was. Poor Wally. That's where Joe was, just not spending... T- oh, no, he, he was there with the newborn daughter, wasn't he? 
Yes. To, uh, the pretense of keeping them safe, but they left Cecile there. So Cecile's had this kid and like not spent any time with her most <laughs> of the, the season. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, ba- don't Barry, Barry spent more time with his future daughter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't miss my child. It's fine. <laughs> so weird. So anything else on Nora's stroppiness, I guess, is the topic heading? No, no, I think I think we've covered it. Okay. Right, let's stay on the, the negative theme and uh, hit us with a rise. Rise. An actual rise this time. An actual rise. An actual rise. I will follow my instructions, boss. I'm going to rise against time travel? Question mark at the end. Okay. Time travel. I've got to rise against time travel. I, I do not understand the rules of time travel in The Flash anymore. I don't think the writers understand the rules of time travel in The Flash anymore. That's easy. There are no rules. There are no rules to time travel in The Flash. The rules are exactly what happens. I do not understand how when you remove something from one timeline at one particular moment, it will choose the most dramatic moment to disappear in the future. Yeah, it's it's as if it's never there. But if it was never there, it was never there. And that's like the the effect and the effect of it sort of going through time and eventually reaching Nora and going, and Nora is the last thing to get ripped out or whatever. Okay, fine. But that kind of means that also uh, Fawn being stuck in prison wasn't a thing. That's gone. Fawn wasn't in prison because there was nothing to hold him in prison. Yeah. So that's gone as well. Yeah. It's like you can't then go to the future to stop Fawn breaking out of prison because you go back to the future and Fawn's not in prison anymore because he was never there. (laughs) He was never tortured and he never spoke to Nora because he wasn't there. Uh, And there was no Nora because we've somehow changed that as well. (laughs) So it's like... (laughs) So I don't understand. I just... I'm I'm confused with it, to be honest. If someone... If someone anywhere wants to sit down with me and go, now listen, here is why at that exact moment when he's about to get the electric chair, apart from, oh, that'll be a cool moment to do it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Apart from that, right? A reason why that moment is the moment where the dagger goes and blinks out of existence. You know, imagine if, I don't know, he had maybe fired two seconds later. Were we going to get toasted fawn going, oh, Christ, oh, that just didn't work. <laughs> you know, they're just they're just taking the dagger from the burnt out corpse of fawn and then it vanishes in his hand. And he'll be like, oh, what happened? You know, the jailer will be there going, oh, what happened to the dagger? We must have shorted it out. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things you just almost kind of have to go with it. it. I mean, that's a really, I mean, that's a really bad justification. I don't think. I know. I, I, yeah. the the reason The reason is because drama. That's the reason. Yeah. Uh, it's because if you write it the other way and you go by getting rid of the dagger, he was never in prison, and then eventually uh, she fades out of existence. That wouldn't have the same drama thing as the the ticking clock of oh if if they just hold off another few seconds, uh, Fawn's going to be gone. But you know, and everyone knows, oh that wasn't going to happen. It's once you knew it was the dagger that was keeping him in prison. Yeah, you know he's getting out. And to be to be honest, as soon as they showed him with the ticking clock and the oh he's going to die, it was like oh well he's getting out. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised it took that long. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, 
Yeah, it was one of those. And also, uh, under the time travel thing, I'm also going to put the ticking clock of how much time he had in his cell and his number of phone calls, etc. Yeah, um, so he has 10 minutes, <laughs> but yeah... Yeah, he has he has ten minutes, but in those ten minutes are some of the busiest ten minutes of his life. <laughs> <laughs> you've got Barry visiting. You've got, um, uh, in fact, uh, you get Dibney and Iris get to visit. Yeah, and uh, Nora's multiple visits. Someone out there will have done the math and added up the amount of time that's spent there, and I bet it's over ten minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was just like an hour or something. But we got like the last few minutes in the last couple of episodes. But yeah. Uh, so let, let, let's ignore the argument of you just have to go with it. I mean, if you look at the time travel rules and legends as well, you have things like um, when Elvis is killed, Nate eventually notices that his hair isn't gelled up because I guess Elvis is responsible for him doing that, uh, which is well, that's a bit nonsense to be honest. But it's mm. but I suppose that that. That makes sense because they kind of exist out of time anyway, you know. So that's fine. But in the Flash, they do have to correspond to the whatever their timeline is, uh, and and you're right. It's definitely just done for dramatic effect. So it's the we want our story to play out this way. So therefore, that's how time travel works this week. Um, you do get half baked explanations for it. The half baked explanation amounts to Thon saying, "I know what I'm doing," and that's it. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. He because t- he talks about how only a genius like him is able to make changes to the timeline and in subtle enough ways that it all plays out in whatever way that he wants, and that's all well and good. I mean, you can accept that because he is a a practiced time traveler. He's used to manipulating events in his own way and and whatever else. But yeah, the the whole this dagger never existed, so therefore it doesn't exist. I mean, as soon as they destroy the dagger, Grace disappears. Yeah, <laughs> like future Grace disappears. So apparently she can't exist. With oh no, it's not the dagger. It's the destroyed. cure. It's, it's yeah. the cure. As soon as the cure Grace, her future self disappears, uh, because that version of her can no longer exist. But so that that rule works in that scene, but it doesn't work for the dagger on Thon's chest. Mm. Yeah, because the dagger never existed to capture him in the first place. So what should have really happened is the prison gets overwritten and he isn't there, as you said. Um, yeah, that that, I mean, that the, the the thing should have been that he wasn't in there. Like as much as you don't get to see him cheesing about the fact that he's managed to escape, he never know he would never know that he had been in prison in the first place. We would know that he had been in prison. Yeah, well, here's a better way. To we do would it. know that he's now on the loose, yeah. but he wouldn't know because you know he's just managed to manipulate it so he's out. And then you still you could still get the send off of Nora. Because yeah. they wouldn't realise that what they had done had caused that. Yeah. Or would he, though? I mean, if you think about it. So um, I talked about how mm. Nate was aware that his hair wasn't styled because he lives kind of outside of time. The mm. same can, the same should apply to a speedster. So speedsters have the ability to run through time, right? So surely they have some kind of fourth dimensional sense that, that may protect them from changes in the timeline. I mean, remember in Legends when Thon was out running his own non Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, what you could have is... So you have the dagger be destroyed. Uh, all right, well, as soon as Grace is cured, because we have to juggle the finale with bloody two villains, that because um, <laughs> that's awkward <laughs> enough. But as soon as Grace is cured and then disappears, she just have Thon show up. And it's like, thanks for getting me out of that prison that I remember. You know, and, and he would remember it because the timeline... The timeline changes around him, but his memories don't. And we kind of have precedent for that, because when 
Barry went back in time and did Flashpoint. Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, not, let's not really that. But he retained his memories of the old timeline. Yes. And they were, they were sort of slowly being erased or slowly being updated with the, the new timeline's memories. The rub about that is as soon as he returned to the new timeline, the, the post-Flashpoint timeline, his memories didn't catch up with that ever. So he still remembers the old one. So, yeah, in consistency, thy name is Flash Writers. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. I think the prison thing could have been done away with. Uh, and then it could, st- and it's still okay for Nora to be around because she's a speedster as well. She lives outside of time, and at the, at the end of the day, the destruction of the dagger could be that could be what makes Nora start to disappear. It just takes a little while for it to catch up with her, hmm. you know, and or maybe Black Flash turns up to kill her. Or, I don't know. Um, it's just yeah, it's just messy. Time travel and the Flash, messy as all hell, uh, because it just conforms to whatever story they want to tell that episode and yeah. it's just nonsense so i completely agree with you there that's not good i it's, it's inconsistent in other shows as well like you've said it just it it peeves me when they do it on ones like this because they keep using it as a sort of get out of jail free card for yeah. for villains and barry and other situations and then they keep breaking the rules with it so it 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 makes a lot of the outcome of episodes or the outcome of seasons pointless because it's, oh, we can bring back anyone. We can put in anyone. The outcome is what we wanted it to be, however many times we want it to be. Uh, The same as alternate Earths and stuff like that. It can get a bit, oh, none of the characters are ever dead. Uh, You know, there there could always be an evil clone. There could always be an identical copy that wants to live on a different Earth. There can always be another... Uh, but at the same time, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be able to have the multiple uh, Tom Cavanaugh Wellsies. Yeah. So, you know, I've got to take that. <laughs> I think the issue is it makes the twists that exist as a result of this meaningless as well. Because if anything's just going to happen, whatever the plot requires of it, it's just that's it. It's it's crap. Uh, so it's like, oh my God, this is going to happen. It's like, yeah, but that contradicts that thing that happened before. But the mm. thing is, you can still have that story as long as you're like... If if they'd picked a baseline back in season one, when they first started doing time travel and stuck with it, and then, you know, you can you can mine stories out of that. It just it becomes the framework that you build your stories on. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I I think that they're also having to juggle their their thing with a a show which is entirely based on time travel as well, which can't straighten itself out, which makes it extra tricky. But to your average viewer, will it matter? Probably not. Uh, just to me, it, it grinds me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, all the more reason to have consistent rules because it can, it's consistent in your other show as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, Supergirl seems to have its own time travel rules as well. So, um, don't really know what those are. They haven't really dug into them, but it, it does exist in that show. Yeah. So, that's a good one to, to criticise. So, I'm going to go for another Neil. And my next Neil is... It's probably going to like descend into a rise. I'm going to say a strong introduction for Cicada. Uh, because it was. Okay. It was really well done to begin with. You know, he was threatening when he would show up and just brutally murder people and take their powers. And, and how quickly they accelerated through the plot early on in the season. You know, you had your first confrontation with him in, what, the third or fourth episode? 
and uh, and then they started revealing more details about him very very quickly after that, mm. which made me positive that he was going to be a mid season. You know, a mid-season finish. I think we talked about that in the mid-season yeah. podcast. Yeah, Surely we've not got long of Cicada left, and then we're on episode bloody 22, and there's still <laughs> some version of that character hanging around. And I don't think the appearance of Future Grace fixed that in any way, really, um, because she just turned up and, oh, God, we've got another one. And what's her plan? Oh, she's got to set off a bomb uh, that kills all metahumans. Oh, no, look, it happens to be May. So there's another, like, apocalyptic thing happening in May. <laughs> in, in mm-hmm. both in both star and central cities you know so uh, if one of our hero teams fails then well there's no point in the other one succeeding they're all going to die anyway it's fine because last yeah last year you had the enlightenment which was you know rubbish and then this year you've got the the meta bomb which is equally rubbish but um i'll certainly say what they did with cicada early on was really good you know and uh, where he had to adopt his brother's daughter so his own niece and then raise her as his own daughter, and how he became like a more compassionate and more well-rounded person who was committed to keeping her safe, and then having the the hatred of metahumans be motivated by the fact that she's in a coma and all that stuff. That was that was good. And then you get to after mid-season, and he's still there. And every week it's the same crap. You know, they they show up and fight him. They have the same fight. They narrowly escape, or Cicada flies away. And so on, rinse and repeat. Then future Cicada shows up. They turn up at the end of the episode. They fight Cicada. <laughs> she flies away, and they keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it. And it's like it's taking you five bloody seasons, and you still haven't realised that you can't have the same villain for the entire season because it doesn't work. It worked for you once, and all right, I'll give them some leeway with Zoom because Zoom was alright but even then that got a bit tedious but Savitar, Thinker Cicada, like stop killing us with these season long villains so that that was initially a Neil but it, it seems to have I think it's, tapped into the negative speed force it's funny enough, through. funnily enough I had it as a rise was how long the Cicada plot line took to develop I'm with you on the initial introduction. Uh, I think uh, the sort of episode where we went deep into the backstory and got shown uh, Orlin's sort of motivations, the reason that he's on his sort of vendetta, his murder spree, I think was great. It sort of showed... It it showed us into their mindset why they're doing what they do. And I think I said this in the mid-season podcast as well is I think it really, really worked to sort of show us that it shouldn't have lasted the whole season because they basically, okay, yes, he didn't last the whole season. Orlin got dispatched. However, you still had a Cicada villain doing exactly what Cicada was doing at the beginning. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe they got halfway there and they went, oh, we're not going to have the same villain all season. And then they went, ah, we're just going to do a slightly different version of the villain we had at the beginning <laughs> of the season. I don't, you know, like you didn't see this coming. Yeah. It's yeah. I think I think they did a good job with it at first, but the length of time it took them to film it, and also a lot of it being like team stupidity, not being able to solve problems. It seems like disintegrating the dagger with the gun thing 
should have come up ages ago or even like taking it to another earth or something well there was the episode where Cisco put worked. it into space oh yeah into space yeah. but uh, why not into space on another earth yeah then then it ain't coming back unless it can like somehow generate its own yeah <laughs> its, its own well, portal that kind of, yeah I mean I suppose he didn't he could have oh he didn't think at that, that point yeah, yeah you could have reasonably assumed that the reach wasn't far enough to be you know to be near to him from space uh, <laughs> I mean that's the best description of it that's what he does exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that, that's fine I mean these mistakes that happen in fights or these assumptions that happen in fights they actually make them more interesting because it's like oh no I thought that would work uh, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, I get that there'll be a plan, and then there'll need to be a backup plan, and then there'll need to be another plan. However, when that first bit of that plan didn't work, it went, oh, sending it into space didn't work, or maybe, I don't know, into the sun, uh, then how about <laughs> yeah? How about we send it to another Earth at that point, and then they could have just done the yeah. same plan, however different, you know. Yeah, and then I there's, I mean, there's other issues that they could have played with here. It's like the thing, so they talk about, okay, we lose our powers when we're around Cicada, except from Killer Frost, um, but that's fine. Uh, we didn't really get on to the fact that anything with her family was rubbish, but anything with her family was rubbish. I don't know oh. what else to say about that. Yeah. You know, her, her stupid dad, and you know, he dies as soon as he regains himself. What a load of crap. Anyway, um, poor Caitlin. Never gets anything positive to do. Never gets anything reasonable to do. Never gets anything decent to do. They just get a new suit for the next season. <laughs> yeah, that we don't get to see because they haven't designed it yet. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> uh, costume department, we've got something for you to do on your summer break. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Come up with a new suit. It's like, and what is the significance of this new suit? But never mind. Um, so, what was I talking about? So, Cicada, right? The so Killer Frost can battle Cicada. But they never really seem to make good use of that. So what will happen is she'll she'll say something sassy and she'll have her icicle knives in her hands and then she'll get like thrown across the room. Again, this happened about once a week. Boring, but um, the but there's other options. They know Sarah Lance. They know Oliver Queen. They know the Atom. Mm. They know Heatwave. They know people that are good at hand to hand combat and have experience fighting people with powers. They. The, you know, this is a universe. At least someone should suggest, should we give Oliver Queen a call? In which case, Barry's like, nah, he's got enough to be getting on with. Or, I tried the Wave Rider, they're not answering. I think they're stuck in the Ice Age or something. You know, something, <laughs> whatever else. Um, you yeah. can mention these things, because Sarah turning up and doing that would be amazing. You know, Sarah versus Cicada, I'd watch that. It, it does seem like, because the thing is, Cicada doesn't have like super healing abilities or yeah. anything like that. We've we've seen her having to patch herself up. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, you're kind of like, well, yeah. If you get enough regular, really good at hand to hand combat, not reliant on their powers, people, be it Argus, be it uh, Oliver Queen and his team, you could you could take Cicada out, really. Yeah. Because you would completely catch them unawares. Granted, granted, once they grab the the dagger, they can kind of fly away and escape. But if you lure them in, they're not going to suspect it. Swap villains. I mean, Emiko's not going to be used to fighting speedsters. Uh, Oliver could wipe the floor with Cicada. Uh, Diggle could wipe the floor with Cicada. Um, 
you know, get um, give Cara a call. I, the thing is, it, and we, we always come down to this with a with a shared universe problem, is that you've you've got to take it in the same way that we talked about with time travel as well. Actually, yeah, is you've got to go. Okay, why did they do it this way? Because they they don't want to acknowledge that that's there. It would spoil every problem because you'd be like, well, you could just get so and so. You could just get Barry. You could just get, and like you say, you can make excuses sometimes. Which they did very well with Nora right at the beginning of the the season, yeah. where it was like, oh, uh, well, we need to send her back to you know back to our future timeline. Oh, she can't go in the Wave Rider or whatever the the, the excuse was. Anti tachyons. Anti tachyons. There we go. Um, so yeah, we can't do it that way. So sorry, uh, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. you're stuck with her for now. But, I mean, I'm not yeah. saying like I'm not saying the the denouement of the Flash season five should be Kara shows up and defeats Cicada in three seconds. <laughs> I'm saying that they should at least address it in some way. It should be the ending. There, there should be one 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 year where the ending of every show is Kara comes round, beats up the big bad that they've been pondering for twenty odd episodes, and goes home. <laughs> I would actually quite like to see the Flash and. Uh, switch villains for the final episode <laughs> just <laughs> just go yeah by the way yeah we've had this problem listen we've been trying to deal with this guy for an entire year can you just maybe just pop over here and do us a solid oh well actually funny you should ask that we've also got a problem that we've been trying to deal with for an entire year so uh, oliver what are you dealing with i'm dealing with like my estranged sister who is also an archer but she doesn't even know what a speedster is it's like cool Give me a couple of minutes, I'll defeat her. Uh, you might have a bit more of a problem because she's quite formidable, but, you know, you're all over Queen, so you'll win. You're resourceful. Uh, There's more of you. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, you've got a team of highly trained fighters. It's cool. She'll, she will be defeated. And I'm sure Felicity will find a way to hack a dagger. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's tech. Um, sure. So that's that's that. Uh, it was an, it was initially a positive statement. They introduced it well, but I thought it'd be a good time to segue into the crapness of of Cicada as a whole. So there we go. So would you like to give us your final rise? Okay, uh, my final uh, rise is that Barry's secret identity is not a friggin' secret. Uh, everyone appears to know who Barry Allen is. Um, now I'm not just talking about in the final episode here. I'm talking about the amount of times that Barry removes his mask every time that he is uh, is trying to speak to someone. Uh, and it seems now that the mask is a pointless entity and everyone knows exactly who he is. Um, I do like the fact that in the end, they kind of went around and went, yeah, of course the captain knows who the hell he is. Uh, you know, he's a detective. He's worked it out. It didn't yeah. take much. I would love to know how long. Um, but I think since like the second episode, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been like ages. It's like you know how you keep turning up late for meetings, but the Flash seems to apparently be here. Or yeah. that time that you disappeared off for six months, and in that same six months, we didn't see the Flash once. Yeah, <laughs> that time. Yeah, that kind of was the final straw, mate. <laughs> it's like we've worked it out. Uh, but yeah, I'll go for that. Um, so we'll go for Barry's secret identity not being secret anymore. Kind of a funny rise against, but it's I, I think it's kind of balanced. We've, we've covered the heavy stuff. I think um, you know for the the final the final couple of things, which we, we could do a quick 
yeah, a couple of quick wins and or quick loses in this case. Yeah, it's <laughs> just the yeah. Every time he turns up, he'll take his mask off, and and especially when you had that that villain team up, be the uh, the Flash must unmask. It's like, well, you haven't found out. Like, how you yeah, you haven't people? you haven't worked out uh, yeah. that uh, Nora Nora's who Nora's dad is. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's really funny. It just uh, he just keeps taking his mask off, which is it's just dumb. Yeah, very dumb. Uh, I'm going to do a quick rise myself. The Laser Quest episode. How stupid was that? <laughs> just, uh, I get the idea that okay, we have to learn. Maybe I have to learn how to do a bit of combat that's not uh, super powered combat because Cicada saps our powers. That's smart thinking. But yeah, when it's you know, let's run around with these guns, these laser guns, and this uh, against this gang. It's like. Barry without his powers, Ralph without his powers, but somehow they're just taking bodies. I mean, they're not actually <laughs> killing anyone, but you know, they're taking bodies in the sense that you would in a video game. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that, that I just found a bit. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make much sense. Yeah. And then it was kind of brutal the way they. I was going to say the gang boss. Is that kind of how you want? I, I'm trying to think of what his name is. The gold, gold guy. Gold, gold the, gold guy. Yeah. the gold guy. The gold guy. We guess take it out at the end is kind of brutal. Um, but apart from that, yeah, like you say, it's at that point just seemed a bit silly to me. Yeah. Okay, that was a quick one. Your final kneel. Uh, my final kneel. Um, I, I would love to go for a quick one so that we could like run away really, really early. However, my final kneel is going to be under. I've, I've put it under the title of menacing fawn. Uh, which well, that's going to be my final kneel. So let's is it your final kneel? Well, we just combine. There we go. That that makes it nice and easy. But yeah, yeah I've, I've put down menacing fawn. I think they they've built built him up really, really well this season. Um, I thought they were going to do typical styley and kind of rush him out really, really early. Like they showed him being in prison, and I thought basically one of the things like Nora was going to go back. She was going to say, "Oh, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I stop Cicada? How do I stop my dad dying or whatever?" And it was going to be, "Oh, well, if you hit this big red button, the shield will drop on the cell, and I will leave with you." <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be as plain and simple as that kind of manipulation. You know. How do I get into the negative speed force? I tell you what, you just drop that shield there and you come over here and I'll show you. Um, so, yeah, I I, I kind of like the fact that they did a slow build on it this season. I like them showing that he is uh, a sort of master manipulator. Um, I don't know if I want to see him as a whole sort of season villain. I I do like seeing him turn up though I, I i don't know quite where they're gonna go with him 100 percent. we had him as a full seasoned villain before so i think having him turn up now and again to be a bit of a recurring menace is mm. you know is is fine for what it is i don't think we need to you know we need to have every season just end with thorn turning up you know it starts to be like classic doctor who master where the curtain comes down and there he is the master in all his glory you know mm-hmm. once again it's like oh my god i couldn't predict this despite the fact it happens <laughs> around about this time all the time <laughs> <laughs> it was me who organized this yeah. entire thing <laughs> but the, the manipulation aspect was great so the way that he just kept promising nora you do this and then we'll you know, we'll be able to save your dad, we'll be able to stop Cicada, you do this. And, and the bit where he's like manufacturing complications, 
So it's like, oh my god, this is not what I expected. What next? And then he's like, how? Oh, the only way out of this is to do this dangerous thing. And so on. And the way he does it. And Nora laps it up because she's stupid. She's naive and stupid. Just like her dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the manipulation even works on Iris. Because Iris is like, I'm sure he cares about our daughter. But it reminds me of that bit in season one, you know, in the alternate timeline where he kills Cisco. And he says, I do care about you, but you've been dead for centuries. I feel like that's the way he was approaching it with Nora. So he does kind mm. of care about her, but also she's just a pawn in his scheme and doesn't matter because actually she shouldn't exist, according to him. Because remember in the 100th episode where he's addressing the, oh, that's your daughter, is it? I thought your daughter's <laughs> name was Dawn. You know, that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, so in some version of a timeline he's lived, Nora shouldn't exist. But she exists in this one. So as far as he's concerned, she's completely expendable. He just needed mm. to do the right thing in order to get her in that position where she essentially sacrifices herself for him without knowing it. And it works on Iris. It even works on Barry to some degree. Because the bit where he's like, no, let's try Thon's plan. It's probably a good one. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's true. It's like, in in the end, it's it's him that comes round and goes, okay, well, I suppose maybe he is trying to help. And then he comes right round to what we said at the beginning about Dibney, who's the only one going, well, You've you've always said that he would only do it if there was something in it for him. So what's in yeah. it for him? <laughs> Where it gets disappointing is once he's released. Um, because you only have a few minutes. Because you've spent most of the bloody last episode with Cicada. And mm. That's it. And, you know, it's... So Thorn escapes. He kills everybody in, like, that one stroke, which is, which is really cool. That was a really cool moment. Uh, and then Barry and Nora reverse time for some reason. Uh, don't know how they did that. Yeah, to to un unkill the guards. Yeah. I, just, uh, yeah. Well, I suppose what? Well, no, because Thorn was aware that he'd done it, so it wasn't that they just showed up before he did it. But I suppose Speedster not doesn't perceive time the same way we do. I guess. I, don't know. I guess. I mean, my, my thing is, I think just having him with a, like a satisfied smile on his face fading out of that cell would have done just as good at the end of this. Yeah as what they ended up doing with him. Yeah. Like him knowing he accomplished what he wanted. As much as they had been building up the, you know, he's going to get revenge on that guard that's been torturing him, you get a bit of a, a fight scene. You get to see the whole team united to take on Fawn. Yeah. I, I like that, and I like that we get that scene, but at the same time, you sit there thinking, but how does it all work? <laughs> yeah. And all you really get is a short scene where they run after him for a bit. Um, I mean, they did some cool team-ups where, you know, Cisco used his portals and, and all that stuff and running through portals and punching mm. through portals and, and all that stuff. I mean, that was that was pretty cool as fights go. But um, And it also reminded me of season one, you know, where Barry needed uh, Oliver and Firestorm and... Was that it? Uh it was something like that. It was yeah, because he he needed all the help, the assistance to take him out. He couldn't yeah. take him out himself. Yeah, and I I get that. I and I think it's good to see that sort of team up thing. The the sort of acknowledgement that this isn't one man's fight. Yeah, and that if they work together and they coordinate their attacks and things, then it'll work out well. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like oh my god, they have learned a lesson over all these seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, if only they had maybe done that with I don't know this season's villain right at the beginning um, <laughs> then, <laughs> quicker. Yeah. 
but so, yeah, it's so then they run after so they run after him for a bit, and then he's like, "Oh, by the way, Nora's about to disappear, uh, so you can like sort of kill me if you want, or you can try and save her." And then doesn't manage to save her, and then he says, "See you next crisis," and then runs. <laughs> <up. And that's... laughs> so, I mean, that was a lot to happen in a couple of minutes, and it was as much as they let the the weight of Nora's death sink in, or her non-existence, I guess, sink in. It was just this... She had spent, what, half a season building Thawne up to be the kind of villain they were going to fight at the end of the season, and then you get, like, a couple of minutes and then he buggers off. Uh, it it feels like a letdown at that stage. I Like I said, I kind of expected him to get out almost at the mid-season and be the mid-season villain. Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting them to wait all this time to release him. I think, like, releasing him an episode earlier would have made a bit more sense and given them a bit of time. Like if they had dealt with Cicada in the last, you know, the second last episode and then have them, you know, Dibney telling them, oh, you've just released Fallen or whatever, then they would have, I think that might have worked out better. Um, Would have given them more time to do something about them give him more time to i don't know explain his plan and and sort of be a bit more menacing because you've you've had him lurking and building up that whole time presumably plotting his revenge and how it's all going to work out i mean don't get me wrong he still gets the satisfaction of knowing that he's you know he's basically changed uh barry's timeline again yeah uh i'm guessing he you know he knew that he was going to pull crisis forward by doing this as well as uh getting rid of nora so yeah, I, I think I think we could have done with a little bit more time with them, but I'm glad that they didn't sort of jump too early to it and kind of ruin it. I mean, it's I like clear that he'll, you know, it's as good a time as any to come on to the next season stuff because we've kind mm. of covered, yeah, 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 we've covered the breadth of the last episode, I think, um, in terms of what the implications of it are, and. So what I think is going to happen, I think the first half of next season for all four shows is going to... I mean, you're still going to have the self-contained plot and we'll talk about the other shows when we talk about the other shows. But in terms of this show, I wonder if they're just going to have a setup for Crisis happening throughout the, the first half of the season because, well, the the reversing um, the reversing newspaper article... You know, the reversing yes, in the newspaper yeah, yeah. article suggests crisis is imminent. And, you know, the other shows have been doing little setups for crisis as a thing that's about to happen. Um, you don't see the monitor in this episode where you're doing the others. Uh, well, I haven't seen Legends yet, actually, but uh, at the time of recording, of course. Uh, but you see the monitor in the other two. So this is the only one he doesn't show up. But the definitely the crisis is happening and i guess the flash is like the catalyst of it that that's the where it begins uh yeah this 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 is the this is the action that pulled it forward yeah you know cuz you, you know in the other stuff you get you know I, I thought there would have been more time or i didn't think it was now kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh so it seems like this is one of the triggers yeah um yeah so that's so that's fine so i wonder what they'll do next season so maybe they'll maybe we'll get away with from this crappy 
all-season bad guy thing because if the first half of the season is building towards this crossover event, as it should because how huge is it going to be? Imagine if we just have an entire half season on each show building towards it. That would be amazing. I mean, you can still have problems that are unique to that show. So you have Thawne turn up and doing various things. You can have random villains turn up and do various things, but have everything be in service of that story in some I'd, way. I think it could. I mean, if they have been working truly collaboratively on this and they've been building up to it for some time, you've got to hope that they have got a really good plan between all the shows that they're involving yeah. in it. Um, which may explain some of the decisions and some of the seasons that we've had recently mm-hmm. that they're going, right, okay, we're, we've got to do this because it, it's all going to serve this crisis storyline. I mean, how long has that Flash Vanishes in Crisis headline been up on the wall? Yeah. You know they've Since been the working episode. to they've been working towards it for a really long time. So, yeah. you know, it, you've got to hope that they've got plans, especially within Flash, because they've been teasing it for so long. Yeah. But people have been working on it on the back burner with rough ideas of what it's going to do, what yeah. they need in place, and what they need positioned and how for this to go on. And now um, it's game on. Now it's game on. I mean, I think the other shows are going to jump into it. Um, but you'd like to think that the two sort of original shows, the Arrow and Flash, are going to really run with it mm-hmm. uh, and pick it up because if they stumble with it, and if it is like you say, where they they focus the whole first half on on building up to the the crossover event, and they drag it out too long, or they they don't keep the pace of it that great, or they they start stumbling over it all the time, it's really going to spoil it. I mean, there has to be there has to be problems unique to each show, and I think it will be this this overwhelming sense of something's coming, what's about to happen, yeah. and you know, and I mean, all they'll need to do is go and read that newspaper, and it will tell them. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's it's up in the air what's going to happen, and it's um, it's interesting, and I think. I mean, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen next season because we don't know what's happening with Cisco. We don't know what's happening with uh, Caitlin's new costume. Caitlin's <laughs> <laughs> got, got a new outfit. Uh, Dibney had a case. Yeah. What was the name on the case that Dibney was looking at? Oh, I because it, I didn't. That was a nod to his wife in the comments. Ah, right. Okay. Right. Anyway, I didn't uh, pick up because they, they sort of lingered on the name that was on the yeah. file for a bit, and I didn't scribble it down because I'm well, not I mean, that they, organized. They set up the whole- <laughs> They set up the whole, isn't it about time you met someone that, that could be, make you feel good about, you know, and that's, I think that's what they're setting up, but, uh, so that he'll meet his wife next season, I guess, or his, his comic book wife next season. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of lame. Cisco, we don't know. Caitlin, she gets a new outfit because you know, they're, they're not bad enough at writing women already. Give them new clothes. Great. <laughs> women like new clothes. <laughs> It's like, oh great, she has a new Killer Frost costume. Like, who cares? Jeez. Uh, You've just been promoted in the writer room. Well done, my friend. <laughs> don't know what's happening with Barry and Iris. Uh, I guess they'll be mourning the loss of the daughter that mm. they'll never have now. Um, and I guess they'll... I mean, my thinking is that they'll they'll stumble across this newspaper in the first episode and they'll know what happened. And they'll be like, oh my God, it's like a few months from now that you're going to disappear. And maybe by trying to stop it, they'll make it worse. I don't know. But I think um, you might have some kind of, oh, God, let's not have it with, like, Savitar again. You could die in a few months. Oh, no, what's going to happen? <laughs> every episode, they just remind you of that. But they could sort of, 
they could be armed with the knowledge of that and maybe you have interactions with some of the characters from the other shows it's just like remember guys remember that monitor guy we dealt with last year uh, this is going to be a problem now um, it's coming soon and we need to be ready you know perhaps we should form some form of a league mm-hmm. a, a, a league of I don't know a league of lawlessness no a league of <laughs> a league of lawfulness um, we'll be looking for yeah, justice perhaps for, for people uh, who knows Let's get Superman back from Argo. You know, that's another podcast. On, on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, so it's, it's hard to say what's going to happen next season based on the events of the end of this season. Because to its credit, it is a contained story. It does wrap up and it does complete. So it's not like, oh my God, the cliffhanger. The cliffhanger is crisis. We know crisis is coming. Yeah. We just don't know what form it's going to take yet. Um. So that's me. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say on the final episode or the what's it called the next season. Yeah, I I I kind of agree with you as end of season episodes go. I thought it was good. Um, as far as what's going to happen in the next one, it's going to be a crisis, isn't it? That's that's what it's moving on to. Yes. Um, we might get a bit of fun now that he's out. Um, I I can't think of what else we've got. Uh, we've got a uh, Captain Joe. He's managed. He's managed to skip a couple of grades and oh, jump a few, jump yeah. jump a few ranks. So you know you got Captain Joe in the next one. So it'll be really stressed, Captain Joe, for the next yeah <laughs> next thing. Yeah, yeah. After he had, after he forgot his leadership skills. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. Uh, so that's that. So on that note, uh, I think we should return to our respective timelines and contemplate the coming Red Skied crisis. Oh, Chris, thank you for joining to give the Flash its annual kick up the arse. Uh, thank you for having me here to kick it up its arse. Yeah, and we'll be back next season to kick up the arse once again until it gets cancelled, which might be next season. Who knows? Uh, I'm now off to bathe in the realistic speed force. So that was our discussion of the Flash Season 5. Thanks to YouTubers Neil Stenson and Dagma for the supply music. If you like what you heard, then please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a star rating and comment. If you want to discuss The Flash or anything else with us, then you can reach us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>